Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. Um, I, as always, am Teddy Kamech from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. Um, yeah, so this, uh, this one I'm going to try something a little different. Um, yeah, this is actually technically going to be part one of a, a three-parter, so to speak, where... Um, yeah, I decided to. I've I've recently decided to start playing back through the Mass Effect games. So it's been probably since Mass Effect Three came out that I've actually played through this series. So um, so yeah, I you know it was one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite uh, series of games, minus Andromeda, of course, which will not be talked about probably on this at any point in time. But, um, so yeah, I decided, you know, I just finished the first one, so I figured, why not do this? Like, as I finish the games, I'll do a podcast talking, you know, I'll do an episode talking about that particular game. And, um, especially since, you know, it's fresh in my mind, you know, why not? Um... So yeah, I you know like just this morning I finished up uh, the final the final mission on the first one, and it's you know it it's so it's fresh in my mind. So let's let's do this. Um, yeah. So uh, to start, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give a little background of you know like going into the, you know originally playing Mass Effect, I had played. Uh, of course, I played Knights of the Old Republic one and two, and really loved those games. And then the other thing that really kind of spurred my replay was I had recently watched a YouTube retrospective about one of Bioware's games that came out that was really kind of, in a way, it's kind of lost to t- lost to time, but. I remember really liking it back in the day, given I haven't played it in a long time. So, it, you know, and they pointed out a lot of things that probably would have bothered me. I don't know. Um, and that was Jade Empire. Um, it was a really fun, like, Asian mythology, you know, game that was very much in the vein of Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and I remember playing it on the original Xbox, uh probably shortly after playing Knights of the Old Republic, because I remember really liking Knights of the Old Republic, and I still have my copy of Jade Empire. So, um, so yeah, that's a thing. Um, but anyways, and, you know, they were talking about that game, and, you know, uh, sorry, the YouTube video I watched that was, uh, it was by, I finished a video game, or I played a video game, I can't remember what the, the title, the, the channel was, but it was really fascinating. It talks about like, you know, really the biggest legacy of Jade Empire was the fact that it was kind of this midway point between what they did with Knights of the Old Republic and what came out afterwards, which would be Mass Effect and the Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Age franchise. Um, and I had just finished playing through Dragon Quest Eleven was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to play next, and I re- remembered that I had the Mass Effect Legendary Collection on my PS5, so I'm like, you know, why not? I'll, I'll give this a, sh- you know, let's play it. It's been a while, so it, it'll, you know, there'll, there'll be things that'll probably feel new to me again. So I started playing it, and um, man, does this game hold up. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, compared to 
the later ones because I have started playing through. I've already played like a very little bit of the second one. It is a little clunky, you know. Um, you know, the cover system was really kind of glitchy. The um, thank God in the PS5 edition, the horror show that was in the original release um, that existed of, you know, you'd be talking to a character and the facial mapping would be like resing in as you're talking to them. And it was like this real kind of creepy thing that would happen. They got rid of that. But um, man, this game holds up as far as like story and like the, the compelling feel to the game. Um, not to mention that, you know, like in that, that video about, J- about Jade Empire, they talked about like, you know, it was very, you know, like the one back step they made from Knights of the Republic to Jade Empire in Bioware was like, you know, you're in this giant empire, but like anytime you went anywhere, it's basically just like you're in a canyon because they didn't, I don't know whether it's like they rushed it. I can't remember if they rushed it or whatever, but really you're in a canyon. So they didn't have to show you much of the world around you, but with Mass Effect on this replay, I kind of realized that you have this ability that it is kind of funneling you to where it wants you to go, but at the same time, it's very open around you. Like, you don't feel like you're, you don't always feel like, you know, you're just being guided to, uh, guided to the next mission or whatever. I mean, they definitely found the way of, of finding that balance to the point that, like, yeah, for the most part, it is kind of trying, you know, it's telling you where you need to go, but it's not restricting you to where you have to go. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, like in this replay, you know, I, I was just fascinated by some of the stuff that like, and how well, how well the first game, you know, holds up, um, how well it aged. I mean, it's like, you know, it really, by all rights, you know, considering it originally came out on, I think the, I think it was a 360 exclusive when it came out. And I remember hearing about it when it came out, but like knew nothing about it. Um, I think I had a buddy that tried starting playing it at one point in time, but never really got into it. And then, you know, I think it was after Mass Effect 2 came out, I picked up or no I think I what happened was um Tony had had a copy of one and two because like he had just he had just picked up two because he was super excited for it and I'm like well I, I remember hearing about Mass Effect but never played the first one so he let me borrow the first one and I think while I was playing the first one he was working on the second one or whatever and then eventually I bought myself the second one now I own, I mean I own all three of them now Um, but I remember like, you know, borrowing it from him and just being lost in this world and, you know, me being the person I am, of course I play a, uh, Paragon character. I like, it is, I've done a playthrough. I remember back in the day I did do a playthrough where I played, um, I can't remember what they call the renegade, I think is what they called the villainous side. Like if you made the, the darker choices. Um, and I really feel like this one, 
There's a lot of gray area in some of the decisions you make. Like, you know, in Knights of the Old Republic, I remember it was very much um, one side or the other. Like a decision you made really was either dark side or light side. With this one, there's some of these decisions that you're making that it may give you Paragon points, but it might be kind of a... It's still kind of, you know, there's still a little renegade to it here and there. Um... I mean, given there are decisions you can make that are very, very renegade. Like, I know there's the... I remember there's the... the um, You come back to the Citadel, or like, you know, like the main hub of this galaxy at one point in time. And as you get out of the elevator from the docking bay, there's a record reporter, and she kind of ambushes you with some really, like, you know, like... She's very clearly got an agenda in this interview with you. And if you go renegade, you can like knock her out. I think from where you can like just full on cold cocker um, to, to stop the interview. But like, I, yeah, I, I play the Paragon. Like I play the good guy because just, it feels, it feels right to me. It's really hard for me to make the, the negative choices most of the time, even though it can be really, really fun sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is such a, a, a smooth game on many levels. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is, like I said, it's still clunky at points and you can definitely, um, definitely say the second one is the, I, I really think the second one is the peak of the series. Um, probably only because the third one had some... Like, there were some some definite things the third one I thought they could have done better. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I still think it's probably one of the better trilogies in gaming. Um, and I'll get to my, those, those feelings on the third one after I replay it. Um, but yeah, I know with the first one, you know, it, it it's just... A great adventure. Um, you know, of course, you know, anybody who hasn't played it that's listening, you know, first of all, why haven't you played these games? You know, stop listening to this podcast and go play the game. Or listen to the rest of the podcast and go play it. Whatever. But you you should be playing these games. I mean, they are, they are great. Um, I don't think Bioware will ever top this this series personally like you know i i liked the first dragon age never played the second one inquisition was fun but it felt a little too much like they were just like oh well let's let's try to do skyrim but with our universe and it left it, you know it gave some like hints to things that i don't think will ever be paid off because if i remember right inquisition just didn't sell well uh price probably did better than andromeda though i don't know Um, but yeah, for, but anyways, for those of you who, ha- who are listening and haven't played this game, um, you can of course create your character to look and play, you know, be named and different play style for, you know, you know, what you want to do. Like, you know, I usually play a, a straight up soldier, so I don't have any of the biotics, which is kind of like this universe's version of magic in a way, but it has a much more science lean to it. Um, and, but yeah, you get to create your character, but I usually just go with the, 
the stock character and um, the stock John Shepard. But of course, you know, I, I do not, I do not begrudge people who play as Fem Shep, um, because while I don't think the character looks as good as Fem Shep, the voice acting is so much better. I, I really do like the. I think it's Lucy Hale. I think is the name of the actress that the voice actress that does her. But um, anyways, you're you're a <clears throat> you're a uh, commander in the uh, like the alliance. It's basically you know humanities uh, kind of like. Um, group within the this intergalactic community, they shall always call it the Alliance, but it's it, you know it's humankind, and you know they're like the newest, you know, kind of like member of of this, you know, group. I don't, I don't do they ever actually call it by any name. I mean, it's you know you have the. You have like the council, which is like the three kind of like founding races, um, which are Turian, Asari, and Salarian. But I don't know if they ever really. Well, anyway, you know this this intergalactic government, so to speak. Um, you're you know you you are like basically the most promising soldier in this. Uh, in the alliance and there's a real big push for humanity to finally get a member of the alliance within the specters which are kind of like you know the council's you know elite guard so to speak except they don't actually technically answer to the council they can basically do what they want to do with little repercussions from the council but um Anyways, yeah, you're John Shepard. In the beginning of the game, you go to, you're sent to a, like a little kind of like a human colony on the edges of this, you know, this, you know, the, the edges of space, basically, because this, you know, there's, there's reports of some strange occurrence at this, uh, this colony. And you're sent there along, you know, on this, on, in this ship, the Normandy, uh, which is, uh, captained by, oh God, I just lost his, I, I had the name and it just, I lost it. Uh, Anderson. Um, and yeah, you know, so Captain Anderson is kind of like running the ship, but you're, you know, He's just ferrying you, and there is another. There is a Spectre agent on board, and you find out while you're en route to Eden Prime, this colony, that basically this is a try, kind of like a tryout to see if they're willing to put a, you know, make the first human Spectre, basically. Um, so you go to the colony. Um, you start out with just like you have a biotic user like teammate named Caden Alenko and you you're supposed to be like just meeting him and yeah he's you know he's an okay character you know he uses the biotics which like allow you to basically like push freeze characters um I think in later levels they can do stuff like uh 
like lock up. Oh no, that's the tech base. Like, cause there is like, there is also like tech characters that can do stuff like hack, hack, like synthetic in, uh, enemies and whatnot. But anyways, when you get to this, this colony, um, you find that it's been overrun by this mechanical race called the Geth that like, as far as anybody knows, they haven't, you know, they haven't, ventured out of this one part of the universe in, you know, decades, if not millennia, um, after facing like a major war with their creators, the, uh, oh God, oh God, what is, Tali is a Quarian. Um, but anyways, when you get there, you know, yeah, like I said, you find this colony just like destroyed and, uh, Yeah, and you, Jesus, I lost my train of thought. Cut. Oh, and it, it's being, you know, the colony's destroyed, and the uh, the Geth are overrunning it. Um, and this is where you meet your second party member because you run in, you meet like at, at a certain point, like you know, barely into the mission, you encounter Ashley Williams. I think is well, Ash Williams is. Bruce Campbell. Maybe it is Ashley Williams, though. I, I never thought about that. But anyways, um, you meet Ashley, and she's like the last soldier that was like tasked with like basically protecting this colony. And she's fighting one of the Geth, and then she ends up, of course, joining your party in that in that mission. Um, and before you land the the they're the specter that was with you to like basically monitor you on this mission to see if you're ready. Um, he, he goes off on his own. So like, you know, a little, little bit into the mission, he, you know, you see a, a cut scene of him and he is a Turian, which are like these kind of cat looking creatures. Um, and he runs into another specter that is also a Turian. Um, named Saren and they're kind of having a conversation because like uh Nihilus I believe is the name of the the one that comes in with yeah Nihilus is the one that comes in with you is like shocked to see Saren there because he didn't know Saren was you know on a mission to this this colony and when he turns his back while they're talking you see Saren pull a gun and then it cuts back to you playing as your character and you just hear the gunshot in the distance. Um, and as you like, kind of go through the colony, you find out like they found this uh, beacon of a like uh, a dead race called the Protheans on this planet. <clears throat> and that's you know they believe that's why the Geth are you know attacking this planet. They want this this beacon for some reason. So long story short, like you get through the, the, the colony and eventually you find the beacon and Ashley gets too close to it and like it starts to do something. So your character pushes her out of the way and then like you get hit with this, like it like levitates you and basically it puts like these images in your head. So when you wake up, you're um, like you're back on the Normandy 
And there's something, you know, like you, you have these visions, you have these visions, but you don't know what to make of them. And yeah, that, that starts your journey. I mean, that's like really kind of the, the basis of it is like you have these visions that's showing you something to do with what happened to the Protheans, but it's kind of scrambled. So it's, it's hard to make out. And then you spend probably the most like kind of like grindy part of the game, which is you spend probably about an hour and a half or two hours of gameplay just on the Citadel, which deals with like a lot of the politics. Cause you know, you get back to the Citadel and you have to report to the council, you know, the, about, you know, what happened on Eden prime. And you're trying to tell them that Sarah and they're like one of their top specters is evil, but they're really not willing to listen to you about it. Um, and yeah, so you you spend like like I said about an hour and a half, two hours, and this this is basically where you build your party. Like majority, of the, like I think there's only one member of your party you get that's outside of that the Citadel because like you get Garrus, which is a Turian companion. Um, you get Rex, who is probably like the best companion in this in the game to me. Uh, who's Krogan, which is like a a race of um, kind of reptilian looking guys, but like they're known for being mercenaries. They were, I believe they were genetically created by the Salarians to fight a war, basically to fight a war against like these, this insect race. that's now like a dead, you know, dead named the Rachni. But then once the Rachni were dead, um, the Krogans like, breed so like can can like breed like really really quickly so the salarians were afraid of like basically their numbers being too you know becoming too big and they decide you know since they are like this warrior race they're kind of the klingons of of the mass effect universe um like if they if they got to their numbers became too big and they decided to that you know they just wanted a war they might try to like you know like basically take over the universe or whatever. So the Salarians created a virus called the genophage, which is essentially like, um, it basically makes it so like only one. And I think it's one in a thousand Krogan babies are even stillborn, like survive long enough to be born dead, let alone be, you know, born alive and, you know, grow up. Um, but no, Rex is Rex is like such a badass character. Like I love him because he's just so not no nonsense. He's really like he's really confrontational with you. Even even when like you're you've really got him on your side, he's pretty confrontational with you. But then again, so is Garrus the Solarian, um, not Solarian, sorry, the Turian party member. Um, you know because of like, but anyway, so like you get cut. You know, like basically after you meet the council, like they don't believe Saren's bad. So they send you like, they basically send you off. <clears throat> so you decide you're going to try to find the information. You know, basically you decide you're going to try to find the proof that Saren is corrupted so that you can get the council to let you go after him. And while you're finding this information, you you get these party members. Like you do get you get Rex because he's a mercenary on the Citadel who's he's hunting some like he's he's hunting 
like a corrupt uh, bar owner that like basically has information or he, he has access to a quarian that has information that could prove Saren is, you know, is basically breaking bad, so to speak. Um, so you team up with him because basically you agree to, you know, like, Hey, we'll help you. Like, as long as we get the quarian after this guy is taken down, you know, our, our things a lot, you know, we'll align. He, all he wants is he just, he just wants to kill the guy or take him down so he can get his bounty, so to speak. Um, and then you get Garrus because he never trusted Saren, so to speak. And he had a lot of proof that Saren was, um, was, was corrupted, but he couldn't get the council to listen to him. So he joins you. Uh, the Quarian that has the information ends up being a party time, party member named Tali. And she's she's kind of cool. Like later in the game, I use her a lot for because uh, she's got a very high tech skill. Like I take her on planets to basically I take her on a mission if I knew there was stuff I wanted to hack because she has the best hacking ability that it, you know, because if you don't have enough hacking ability, you can't access like a lot of like lockers that can get you better better equipment and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so you get her. You already have Caden. You have Ashley who, you know, you get Caden in the first mission. You pick up Ashley who I imagine you can probably reject having her in your group, but she joins your party. Um, you know, just because the way I played it, I, I bring her in. Um, I think that's actually because you don't really have a huge party in the first game. And then once you get the information um, and present this, you know, this evidence to the council, they'll, they make you a specter, of course. And they take the Normandy away from uh, Anderson. And let you, so basically it's now your ship to, you know, enact your specter justice or like do, you know, to do your specter duty, so to speak. Um, and they give you, basically they give you like, they give you like the first two or three missions. You're basically like, Hey, you know, this, this on this planet, there's rumors of a lot of geth incursions. Could you go check this out? And on this one, you know, we've, you know, so-and-so something's happening on this planet. Could you go check that out? But you don't actually have to go straight to those um, straight to those missions. Like there is a lot of free flow once you get out of the Citadel because you can just get, go to a random um, uh, like star cluster. And um, as you bring up planets in the, like, you know, it'll bring up like a solar system of that planet or whatever. And you can highlight a planet and click into it. Some of them you can just like basically click a button to survey it and you'll get, just get like some random reward. Sometimes it's like a, Oh, you know, you found <clears throat> like some big deposit of plutonium or something like that. You know, I mean, they've, they've got a bunch of different, uh, like minerals and gases. Sometimes you'll find stuff like a matriarch's writing or ID tags from a bat, like from a battle that was fought years ago or 
something along those lines. But then you can usually land on one planet or sometimes there'll be like ships or asteroids hidden on that in that star system that you can land on. And this is where the game gets a little bit like... I go back and forth on why people is in this game when you land on one of these like uncharted planets, so to speak, um, it puts you down in this like six wheeled rover called the Mako, and they supposedly overhauled the gameplay to the Mako because I know in the original game a lot of people hated the Mako, um, and I don't blame them. It really is kind of a, a clunky system. Um, I never had a horrible problem with like as far as just the regular driving of it. My big problem is they give you this big old six-wheeled Mako. And then with some of the planets you can land on, they make the terrain almost impossible to drive on. And it really is kind of stupid. Because like there will be points where you have to get to these high up points. And it doesn't really make it clear like that there's... You know, there is a path up there. So you like have to kind of like drive this thing on these rocky cliffs, but there's a lot of cliffs. It's like, oh no, you can't climb that. So you'll just like go up at a, a, a centimeter or so, you know, like very little amount, and then you'll just drift back down. So you like have to f- start like getting creative on like going at angles into certain things. And there's certain spots you can, you figure out, you can kind of get grip on to move. So it really does kind of become a, a mess at points. Um, and then like getting into a fight in it, um, as long as there's like Geth or Rachni, because you do find the Rachni later, um, or stuff like that, the battling in it isn't bad because it does have like a, a machine gun on it. But like battling, like there's these giant, like kind of like Dune worm, Dune worm style worm things called Thresher Maws that show up on a couple planets. And those are a bitch to fight in this thing because it's like the maneuverability is just shitty. Um, and like the that and then they make the Thresher Maws have this ability to spit like this venomous goo that just like has pinpoint accuracy sometimes. So like I see I see both sides of the argument, but supposedly they reworked in the Legendary Edition. They did rework the driving abilities of it. And I really didn't notice anything. Like, I still got frustrated a lot with driving it, especially, like, trying to drive it into the hills of a planet, trying to find, like... Because you bring up the map when you get onto a planet, it'll show you, like, points of interest, kind of. So it'll say, hey, there's an anomaly over here, or there's... I can't remember what they call, like, ruins over here. And they'll tell you if, like, there's a base on the planet or whatever. Um, so as you drive around, like you, like I said, it's really hard to tell where the, the true path for this air, for the planet is. Um, but at the same time, it gets really fun doing those. Cause like I did a, like I did a lot of the planets. In fact, I think I actually hundred percented the planets. I think I went to like every star system, found every planet you could land on and, Found all the 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 stuff on well at least all the easy stuff find because I imagine if I know like if you as you drive around every now and then you'll find like ore deposits or whatever that you can um, you can basically you know like mark like you can do like kind of like a little mini game where you like basically survey it and then it leaves a marker and the the idea is like you leave that marker and that like allows the 
it basically makes it so the you know this this federation of alien species can come back and find it later um but yeah it's like you there's there's so much to it and it's so much fun sometimes but man it's frustrating at others um so i really wish and i know i know the second game they take the mako out completely I want to say the third one they put the Mako back in, but I could be wrong. It's been so long since I've played it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you you can... At, at the point you get off Citadel, the game opens wide. Um, yeah, there is also the complaints that, like, when you go to those bases or whatnot on the, the random planets, a lot of the bases have the same layout. You know, you go in through an opening door, you have, like, basically a corridor, you open another door... And then there'll be a giant room with a bunch of crates that you can hide behind to to battle whatever's in there. And then you'll usually have a door on the bottom. Like the back wall of that main room will probably have one door that'll have some minor items in it. And then you can find a door, you know, if you could walk in that door into that big room and just take a straight left, which I never allow you to do because they always put like, you know, obstacles in the way that you can't just walk straight to it. You'll find a flight of stairs, you'll go up and there will be like a single walkway that leads to one door that'll have like usually better items. Or if there's like a specific character that, you know, you're, you're looking for, they'll usually be in that. And it's the same way, like when you land on like the the random starships that are like freighters or whatnot that are you know floating in space that you can find every now and then. They usually have this like a really basic layout. So a lot of people have made the complaints that's really kind of boring, like they really didn't mix it up. And I get that, but you know it is what it is. I mean, it's it's early Xbox three hundred and sixty, so you know what are you gonna do? Um, but I remember one of the missions you do get right off the bat out of the Citadel is to go and find, um, another party, basically somebody who becomes another party member. Um, because in the, like the, the evidence that, uh, Tali has that like implicates, um, Saren for you know basically becoming a bad guy it it like has another voice and the Asari member of the council recognizes the voice as being this uh high-powered person within Asari culture known as a she's she's called a matriarch which I can't remember their exact definition of it but it's basically like higher you know very old very reputable members of their society get the the title matriarch because all all Asari are female. Um, and so, yeah, she, you know, like they recognize his voice as matriarch Benezia. Well, they send you to a, a planet because her daughter is um, investigating Prothean ruins. And they believe like maybe she could help find some information about Benezia and also maybe give you some information about the Protheans. And she, uh, Liara is her name. Liara Tassoni. Um, you know, she, she becomes another one of those party members that I really like, especially with like, you know, like her character in the first one, it's kind of, she kind of has a cool character arc throughout the whole series. Cause in the first one, she's this very kind of like awkward scientist. 
She's not real good with interacting with humans. So like the first couple of interactions with you with you know Shepard are actually kind of funny because she kind of says things and he you can make comments that are kind of like jokes back at her and she gets really awkward about it because she almost doesn't recognize the the humor or sarcasm in something you're saying. Um but she's also like this really kind of cool character and she's very strong biotic character. So like I mean like when I do the main missions, my party is my character, Rex, and Liara. Because Rex is a great for... He's got minimal biotics, but he's also just, like, badass warrior. You got me just kind of, like, hiding behind shit and popping up and shooting shit with my guns. And you got Liara using biotics to, you know, like, basically augment us. Um, you should have to keep an eye on her, because she, she can die pretty quickly sometimes um yeah it's but like as the game goes like you just you really the the work the universe actually expands even further because i know at one point in time you know like you get through the first couple of missions um and then they call you back to the citadel for something um i want to say it's like you know basically they just want you to report back and explain what's, you know, like what you found so far or whatever uh, in person. And when you leave the Citadel after that that trip back, like more star, like basically more star systems open up. And then sometimes in the star systems you already have, it'll open up another like smaller, um, smaller galaxy you can go into or like, you know, or sorry, Galaxies and you know, like the smaller star star systems within those galaxies or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's just it, it, but it opens up even further and it, you know, you get of course you get more missions to investigate and whatnot, and also like um, back on the three sixty, like this game had a lot of load times, but they knew what they were doing with their hiding of the load times because like when you would go to like on the Citadel, basically when you got an elevator, the elevator ride you were doing was basically your loading screen. So they hid that load screen basically behind your three characters on a on a um, elevator. But they also added in this little thing of like a lot of times if you ride elevators a lot, like your characters will interact with each other and they'll have conversations. But every now and then also you'll get like... Um, like news broadcasts over the speaker of the elevator and something they say in that news broadcast will actually bring up another mission. Like, Hey, you know, maybe you want to go check out this, you know, you know, this check the, you know, Oh God, what's the Hawking's Ada uh, galaxy, you know, because something's going on over there or, you know, stuff like that. Or it gives you payoffs to some of the side quests. Like every now and then you'll get a, a small, you know, report about like, you know, the fallout of something you did. Um, and it also get, there's also quite a few points in the game where you have like kind of branching paths. Like sometimes you can do something really simple to get, uh, to get your thing done where, or you could do like a much more drawn out version. Like, um, I know you go to a planet called Novaria, which is kind of like this corporate run planet. 
<clears throat> and you really need to get out of like the main space hub you come in on come into but like the guy that runs it doesn't want to let you out so like there's two different paths you can take to get out of there there's one where basically like as you come in there's this um a hanar which is like this like kind of floating brain creatures um like alien race and he's a you know he's a, a merchant but at the same time like he asks you if you'll smuggle something through security because they won't they don't check the specters as closely and if you go and you say oh yeah sure i'll do that for you you go and collect the package get it through security and then you take it to the head of this you know this space hub and say hey look this guy was trying to you know uh smuggle this you know you can you can get your your clearance to get off get out of this spaceport that way or you can also like you know as you're leaving the the office of the you know the head of the spaceport his receptionist will tell you hey you know if you really want to do this if you go talk to so and so at this hotel bar I'm pretty sure he might have some information you need. And I know with that, I remember with that quest line, because that's the one I used every other time. Like, I wasn't even thinking about it. And I did the, you know, like, I gave the the smuggled, inform, you know, the, the stuff the guy was smuggling to the head of the spaceport. And it gave me things, so it locked off this other quest. But I know it's like, you go up and talk to the guy at this hotel bar, and he tell he gives you this, you know whole story about how like he was framed for like I think of the corporate espionage for his company so like his company's office in this spaceport's been locked out um and if I remember right that quest leads you to like basically taking down the head of that spaceport because I want to say like he's corrupt or whatever um so I was a little upset that the corrupt you know the corrupt head of the spaceport didn't get his 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 you know his his uh uh, what's the word for it? His comeuppance. But at the same time, I'm like, oh shit, I just did this someplace, another way I've never done this. So that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, this series is like really good. I mean, of course, you know, it, the more you get into it, the more you start realizing that like, Saren's not really the big bad, so to speak. He's actually like, kind of like, you start finding proof of like this another ancient race um, of like basically sentient machines known the Re- known as the Reapers are out there, and somehow they're be like behind what Saren's after. Like Saren is working for them or trying, to, like basically trying to bring them to the galaxy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and yeah, that you know that opens up another whole aspect of okay is like you know and as you go you kind of figure out like the the reapers like use an indoctrination like basically they they can brainwash other races to doing what they want to do so you start wondering okay is Saren really doing this of his own free will or is he basically just a puppet and doesn't even know it um so like i said there's a little bit of gray area in there again But you also have little things that, you know, you can do in this game that have wider repercussions, even so some of them 
unfortunately do not pay off as great as they could. Um, like um, when you're on Novaria, you find out that basically they found like what was going on on this planet was a company had found a Rachni egg and they hatched it and it was a queen. So like the, there's basically like corrupted uh, Rachni running everywhere. And when you take down the boss of this particular mission, you get the choice of basically you can let the Rachni queen go or you can kill her. And she's, you know, she, she doesn't speak on her own, but like she can like basically telepathically use other people, like kind of like the way uh, in Independence Day, the, the doctor or the scientist played by uh, Brett, Brent Spiner gets kind of like talks to them. Like, you know, they, they can use other creatures as a, um, like a medium, so to speak. And it basically tells you like that it doesn't, you know, this thing doesn't remember what went wrong to cause the Rachni to go evil during the Rachni Wars. Um, but, you know, she, you know, she promises that if like they let her go, basically she will... You know, she's just going to disappear. She just wants to be free and be, you know, be what the Rack and I always were. She could, she knows that something wasn't right that caused the Rack and I to go, you know, to like basically become aggressive like they were. Um, and then, you know, so like if you release her, she she asks you, could you please at least kill off like these Rack and I that are on this this base because they are corrupted like there's there's something not right with them because they were never you know they weren't essentially like i guess you could say raised right by the you know they weren't they weren't allowed to be raised by the rachni queen so like they're they're corrupted um which i always let her go because i'm like dude she why should she pay for the crimes of something someone else you know like yes it was her species but she wasn't responsible for that. And I remember when I first did, I'm like, God, I hope I don't regret that. Because, like, I could easily see that being something that, like, you know, later on the the Rachni are, you know, like later in the game, maybe the Rachni are against you or whatnot. Um, but that actually has implications in later games. Like, in the second one, you you find out what happened to the Rachni queen after she left. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, if you kill her, you know you're stopping the potential of this this race that was once known for pretty much trying to wipe out the universe or or at least killing a lot of people you know you you wipe out any potential of that but at the same time you do get renegade, renegade points if you kill her you get paragon points for trusting her and setting her free even though like um if you have Rex in your party when you make that decision, he is really not impressed with you for that. Um, you know, because like his race was bred to destroy the Rachni. They hunted them to pretty much extinction. And he's he's so he's very against it. But at the same time, he's like, oh well, I guess that just means we Krogans will just, you know, we'll have a purpose again at some point in time. Um God, I'm getting getting up there in time so it's almost time for me to wrap this up um so yeah i mean i, I guess i'll just like kind of quicken this up a little bit um 
And then I, I guess we'll get into the the one decision in this game. The one, like I've played this game Renegade before. And the one thing I could never like stay with Renegade wise is one of the last couple like main missions you get. You go to a planet and you find out that Saren has been breeding Krogans. Like somehow he's found a way to breed Krogans. But they're not quite like basically they're they're bred to be like loyal to to Saren. Um, which Rex is completely like Rex hates Saren. Like he's met him once before. Like if you talk to your companions in between missions, you can get backstories. And with a couple of them, you'll actually get like a, a specific mission to them. But I think there's only like two or three of them that have that in the first game. But, um, anyways, you get, so you go, you go to this planet and when you meet up with like this Solarian, like, black ops group basically they tell you that they were um like they're breeding these krogans and like so they want to destroy this thing and really the only choices you have to say are kind of like well okay yeah we understand that which makes rex mad and he'll go off on his own and you can't do anything other else in the game, like because nobody else will talk to you because he's sitting off in the corner, just like he's sitting off like the edge of this water, just firing his shotgun at the water, and it's kind of a badass thing. And you have to go talk to him. And you have a decision to make. And if you do not have a high enough intimidation if you're evil, or a charm if you're good <clears throat> stat, you cannot save Rex. Um and you may have to kill him. And in one of my the one playthrough I played Renegade, I went through with it and basically like you can basically make the decision, okay, like I'm going to put you down like the like the rabid dog you are. Or I know um I think it was Tony was the one who was telling me at one point in time he was playing it and something happened where he talked Rex down, but Ashley who if you talk to her enough, you kind of find out that she might be a little bit xenophobic. Um, she puts him down. But I did the whole thing where, you know, where I killed Rex. And like the second I did it, I just felt dirty. So I reverted to an earlier save file and went back and I didn't kill Rex. That's the one thing I've never been able to go through with doing. Because Rex is just so awesome and like I couldn't, I couldn't let that stay. I couldn't let that stay in the playthrough. Like, there's no way I was going to let Rex stay dead. It, it just, no, it, it, it can't be. It's unnatural. Um. So yeah. So basically, if you have the charm, though, basically you basically tell him, like, listen, yes, he's breeding Krogans, but he's breeding Krogans that are like basically being indoctrinated as soon as they're bred. Um, given you don't know the whole the full thing about indoctrination till you get to the end of this mission. Cause you, you find a, um, like a data point where like, it basically gives you more, a lot more information about how like this whole thing was actually also studying and like the indoctrination and whatnot by the Reapers. Um, so you, uh, but you basically tell them like, listen, they're going to be indoctrinated. They're going to be working for Saren. Do you really want that for your people? 
And if you have the charm, it goes over just fine. He's like, you're right. You know, I, you know, I don't want that for my people. Plus, as soon as they're no longer useful to him, who knows what they're going to do? You know, who knows what he'll do to, you know, like if, if he won't just like commit a genocide against them, so to speak. Um, but he tells you he, he's trusting you on this one. Don't, don't betray his trust, basically. Um, I don't think I've ever gone the intimidation route, so I don't know like how you'd intimidate him because like I couldn't see, like I really couldn't see my character, like the character of John Shepard, intimidating him to be be uh, to be like loyal. Um, I don't know how you intimidate a Krogan. Um, so yeah. Um, and of course, in that mission, you also have the point where uh, you choose—you can choose to either send Caden or Ashley off with the Solarian team because basically, like, you split your forces for this assault on this lab, and you're going to be planting a bomb in the middle of the lab so you can basically detonate it and wipe out the lab. Um, and there's a point where basically whoever you didn't. Whoever you chose to send off, like, basically, they're getting overrun by Geth. And so you go to save them. But halfway there, you'll get a report from whoever you didn't choose because they'll be back with the bomb. And they're like, hey, we're getting overrun over here, so you have to make a decision. Do you go back and basically ensure that bomb is going to go off properly? Or do you go and try to continue to save the person that's being overrun at, like, the comms tower or whatever? And whoever you choose to go and rescue will live and the other character dies. So basically only one character, one of these two characters is going to live. And I think with my first playthrough, like every playthrough up until this one I just finished, I've saved Ashley because I remember I, I romanced Ashley in the first game on my first ever playthrough. I romanced a different character in the second game. And then the third game, I can't remember who I, I think I, I can't remember who I ended up with in the third game. Um, but yeah, it, it, and it really does actually kind of have a gut punch because you do have a moment over like the comms basically where this person say, listen, you need to make sure that bomb goes off. I knew what I was doing when I took this, you know, this position with the Solarian group, do your job. You know, and you basically have to, like, basically say, I'm sorry, but, you know, and they understand. So it's like, basically, they, they know they're going to die and they're okay with it because what they're doing is, you know, their death is going to mean something. It's for the better as long as that bomb goes off. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that that is kind of like the last little thing. But then, of course, you know, after you've done this, you've taken down Saren or whatever you finally find out that the relay that he's look or not the relay the oh, what is it what is it he's looking for like the catalyst or something like that um you know the whole game like you've been trying to figure out what this this piece of whatever this thing that he's looking for is you finally find out it's on this one planet but like you know after all the work you've done for like uh, this ambassador of the for the alliance, like he basically betrays you and like basically makes sure you like he locks down the Normandy so you can't go anywhere because they believe that 
you know, they've exposed Saren and he's just going to try to attack the Citadel. That's all he's doing. Like, you know, the Reapers are just something he's he's putting out there to throw the throw them off his trail. So you have to break, you know, basically you you get the help of Anderson, you break the the Normandy loose and you get to go on the last mission, which is you basically go to the like this Prothean um like basically dead Prothean world to find this you know, this piece of technology that Saren is after. And when you get there, you find out it's basically just a key to basically turning the, the Citadel itself, which everybody thought was like a Prothean, um, Prothean built piece of technology is actually like was created by the Reapers. And it's, um, with it, it opens like basically the gateway to dark space, which will bring a whole, like a whole like army of the Reapers through, so that they can basically slowly and systematically wipe out all you know all living creatures and take resources and uh, technology for their own kind of thing. Um, it should probably be said that the Reapers are basically like giant ships. Like they're they're alien creatures, but like the one you interact with in the first one is named Sovereign, and it's basically just a giant spaceship. Um, and it's like it's Saren's spaceship. <clears throat> so you basically break the Normandy loose, go on this mission to basically get to Saren and try to stop him from you know, getting this this technology. And while you're there, you find out that, yes, that is what this this thing he's looking for is. It'll basically allow him to open up the um, the passageway for the rest of the re- uh, Reapers to come through and wipe out, you know, wipe out all living things. Um, and you find that out because you, fi- you find a virtual intelligence from the Protheans that basically tells you that you know the the Protheans had put together, but it was what what was going on. But it was too late, and they programmed in something like the last of the Prothean scientists basically went through a backdoor relay they had created that was only one way to the Citadel that would allow them to rewrite the programming of this alien race that nobody really knows anything about them, but they're on. The Citadel, they're called the Keepers, and they're always just kind of wandering around doing maintenance. Um, and they, so they, uh, it like basically they reprogram the Keepers because the Keepers were basically the key to this opening this passage. Like it would basically be this piece of technology would send the, the information and the Keepers would open the doorway for, you know, like do their thing to open the doorway to let the Reapers come in. But the Protheans, after basically like after the uh the reapers went back into dark space or whatever um the last of these prothean scientists that were hidden away on this colony on ilos or like this facility in ilos went there and basically rewrote the keeper so they can't do this again but that's why saren wants to get like saren so saren basically uses this this relay that they've got hidden it'll take them straight to the the citadel so he can manually do what he needs to do to bring the reapers through 
Um, so yeah, you end up in like this, this awesome, uh, like kind of a really epic set piece. Um, when you get back to the Citadel because you're on an elevator and the elevators get shut down by Saren. So like you have to like basically kick a window out and you walk up the side of the Citadel, uh, fighting Geth on your way up. Um, and it leads to the council chamber, which is where you find Saren and the final confrontation happens. But there's a really cool thing in this final confrontation because when you're talking, when you talk to him on Vermeyer, where in the cloning facility, you can like start to kind of like say, listen, don't you see that basically you're being indoctrinated? You're not thinking for yourself. And you can kind of see Saren like, okay, maybe he's right. Um, but when you get to the top of the, like you, you meet him in the council chambers, like you, you're kind of pushing that more. He's like, well, yeah, you, you had me second guess myself after Vermeer. So, you know, I agreed to let, uh, sovereign like basically implant him further with technology. So he's like the perfect balance of technology and, uh, and, you know, biology, so to speak. Um, and then you, but if you have a high enough charm level, you can actually like basically convince him like, no, listen, you're just fully indoctrinated. You're not yourself. What you're doing is wrong. We can still stop this. And it's a really cool moment because you can actually get Saren to be like, oh shit, you're right, but it's too late for me. But then he, you know, you're like, no, it's not too late. We can still, you know, we can reverse this. We just have to take out the Reapers. He's like, thank you, Shepard, and puts a gun to the chin and pulls the trigger. So like, he basically kills himself. And then you get the decision of you can either open the relays and let the the Alliance force come through and save the the Council because they're on a ship outside of the Citadel at this point in time. Or you can basically decide, like, no, the council isn't worth that. Let's save the alliance till we get the arms of the citadel open again, so that everybody will be super powered when it's you know, like basically they'll have like a fresh force when when they they open up the arms and um, expose sovereign. And of course, the paragon one is be like, no, we need to save the council. The renegade is. Screw the council. Let them die. We, you know, let, let's just focus on sovereign. Um, but after you basically make this decision, so you make your decision, either the council dies or they don't. Um, and then like everybody starts focusing on sovereign, and you go down to check Saren's body, and suddenly he starts being like fully possessed by sovereign, which leads to like this badass like kind of mutation in him. Like the technology starts taking over a little more, gets rid of a little more of the bio, you know, biologic matter. So of, of, uh, Saren and you have a fight against cybernetic Saren, I guess. Um, it's basically sovereign just controlling his body. And it is an epic boss. Fight. I, I, for some reason I remembered it being pretty anticlimactic. No, that boss fight is pretty awesome. Um, and, you know, yeah, you defeat Saren, the the Alliance, you know, fleet, well, the the basically the fleet of, of like, this entire, you know, all these races just rush in and just annihilate Sovereign. And it flashes to, you know, like, you're, you know, 
like I think a part of Sovereign like comes flying through the window and you think uh Shepard's dead because like you know rescue teams finds whatever two party members you had with you and everybody thinks that Shepard's dead and then of course he climbs up over the edge of this like piece of the of the reaper and like real epic like you know from you know low angle image of him standing up there and then it goes to the council and they're like well listen you know we recognize it what the alliance did you know like they they made a big sacrifice to protect us maybe it's time to put a you know human a human uh representative on the council because like only three at this point in time so you get to make a decision do you want to give it to this ambassador that's been a prick the whole game or do you give it to uh, Captain Anderson, who is like a good friend? He's very—he's a very smart guy, and like I give it to Anderson all the time. Like every time I've given it to Anderson, because fuck that ambassador. He's a politician, but he'd be willing to screw over his—you know—his own mother if it got him a higher position. Where you feel like I always felt like Captain Anderson is like the logical choice because. He's going to do what's best for everyone, not just for him. Like, he's not looking to improve his political stature. Um, oh, shit. Um, and then it, it ends with your character walking away saying, like, basically, this isn't over. I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to find out how to destroy the Reaper so we can, you know, if they ever did get through, we're going to wipe them out, basically. And then it like shows your character walk through, walk off, and you know, cut to credits as the as the Normandy flies away. Um, on the whole, I really feel this game, even with its its bugs and what like its its clunky nature, this game is a, a must play. Got special, and I will say especially with the the legendary edition, one because you get all three games in that package. But two, because they did rough around, like they did buff out some of the rough around edges. Like I said, you don't get the car- the face faces rezzing in while you're talking to them. Um, it's really a mind. Like I really don't think that the graphics were bumped up a whole lot, but they really didn't need to be because I remember the graphics being pretty. I mean, yeah, your character walks a little bit uh, stiff, and they didn't change that. But you know, it, it this this game is is a must play. It really is. Um, all three of them are, if you ask me. But so yeah, I think uh, you know, like I said, um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll just say that you know this this game holds up really well. Um, I look forward to doing part two of this where I talk about Mass Effect Two because Mass Effect Two is my favorite in the series, and I just can't wait to like dig into that game again. I know it's a lot longer, so I'm really hoping I'll get through it in time to record a second episode for this. Um, you know, as my next episode, we'll see. Um, yeah, so highly recommend. Holds up really great. Please go play Mass Effect. Um, yeah, so I guess... Uh, with that, I will say thank you for listening. And uh, thank you to everyone... Everyone who's been like really supportive of me through this, as always, thank you to Spider for my artwork, both on my body and for my podcast. And yeah, so I guess I will say talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>